0: Coach, what's he going to be reading? a dollar. Come on, I'm going to be calling uh, speed. That's what I'm going to do. We've got the church. We've got leaders uh, to come up and read. I knew we wanted to get down the church, but it ain't really. Let's <laughs> get But I'm getting confused because there's lots of water. yeah Nobody even knows what a God called man looks like or sounds like anymore. Nobody knows what a prophet looks like or sounds like or what he's going to say. And then, first onto to the scene, here comes John the Baptist, who is white. Uh, if, if we were allowed limited to do most of us probably wouldn't listen to what he had to just because we'd be distracted at his lifestyle. A man who's lived in the woods. His entire adult life. Of course, we don't have what they have, so I'm trying to tweak it. And it would be like somebody that went and lived in the national forest alone, cloistered to himself, eating mushrooms and whatever he could find on the ground. It's like a hunter-gatherer man who found a little on the ground to cover his nakedness, and that's what he wears, is his clothes, and he just living with the bees and the birds. And then all of a sudden he comes to town one day, my foot inside the woods keep coming. And he was down in Get your house in order, he's coming, I'm thinking there was a kissing. Ah, uh, this man. Crazy man. Montrose. But I think there were some of the Lord's people that were hungering and thirsting after righteousness still. You know? And the loudest usually gets the most attention. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees are barking the loudest, they have a stranglehold on all things religion. But they're still Lord people. They're still born again people that are purely hard and they're, they're looking for the coming of the Lord and they know He's coming. They've heard, it. They've heard about that before and suddenly the Baptist shows up on the scene that says the Lord's coming. Uh, they're listening. And He says, What you need to do to prepare for the coming of the Lord is you need of uh, what you're doing, your wicked ways, put one well your worst ways, you're going to up on that by being baptized. Now I'm going to you the River Jordan, which we heard all about last night. Same river, the mud bush, uh, in the middle of the Middle East, and people are coming down in droves. They're coming down and listening to what he's got to say. And I have an awesome thought about this the Pharisees here what's coming, and those. that you're behaving differently and talking differently, and I believe that you've repent then come back and we'll talk about baptism. Can you imagine that? Somebody coming down the aisle going, not (laughs) there. I don't really believe you for for the next six months or however long it (laughs) takes. We'll talk later. How about you? You want to be bad talking about it? Blows my mind. The boldness of this man. The clarity of this man. Can you him crystal clear clarity to see through all of that garbage and to understand who was pure in heart and who was not pure in heart just by having a conversation with them? It's amazing. And he's a lot He's on his own. He doesn't have the support of a church. He doesn't have the support of other ministers. He's by himself on the banks of a river just like no one else speaking like no one else about someone who's coming with nobody's ever even seen or paid attention to before and when he's in the midst of all of that uh, this is the interruption that he has he has several interactions with people i just that just God's but in verse 29 it says, The next day, John seeeth Jesus coming unto them, and saith the the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is who I've been talking to you about. Here he is. I'm not worthy to touch the latchet of his shoes to take his shoes off. In the Jewish culture, the shoe was a symbol of dishonor. It was the lowest point of the body. It was the ugliest point of the body. And if you really wanted to prove that you were humble before somebody, you would bow down before them and touch their feet. And it was a symbol to everybody that this person has humbled themselves before this other person. And he he's not worthy to bow down in front of him and even touch his foot. You know, a, 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 a sign of humility. I'm not, even, I'm not even worthy to do that. He, he is before me in all things. He's preferred before me. Of course, he's talking about the heavenly father. He is infinitely above me in every way. He is, uh, he must increase, but I must decrease. And I look at God, the creatures of my own little the idea that John had that it's not about me, but it's about Jesus Christ. And you can diminish to me all you want to, and it won't hurt my feelings. It's the way it's supposed to be. Forgive my name and forget that you ever saw or heard the voice of John the Baptist and listen to what he's got to say. Here's you and me. You listen to I ain't going to fade right now. I ain't going to fade on and out into the background. I've served my purpose, and my ministry doesn't have to continue. And you can talk about their ministry. It's really about your ministry, isn't it? It's the ministry of the Lord, it's the ministry of the Lord. And when the Lord shows up, just get out of the way and talk about him. And let people glorify him and let people be entertained by him. And let people worship him and let people adore him and let people talk about him. Stop talking about yourself. And talk about him. And when other people are talking about Jesus, keep your tongue. What John understood, what you primitive alchemists don't understand, is that Jesus died for the whole world. He died for everybody in the whole world. Great children's song. Jesus loves all the children of the world. Maybe. Um, But let's just explore this concept of the world for a moment. And I think if you young people are listening, you need to tune in. You've been tuned out, tune in. I know how it goes. There are at least five different concepts of the word world. There are five different definitions, at least, in the Bible, that the Bible uses the word world to describe something. So let's talk about what they are. There's telechroma, which is just the earth that you're standing on. And that's a common conception of the word world, is that we are living on the world. And he said, if you know this, scripture supports what I'm saying. Well, I'm supporting what scripture is saying. say that the best. But uh, according to that, he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He's obviously talking about the building of the planet that we live on in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. we link to the world. So if you're going to apply the word world to mean all people everywhere all the time. Then does that mean from Ephesians chapter one, when He was building the world, setting the foundation of the world, that Jesus actually shed His blood for the dirt that you stand on? Yeah. You see, that's a logical fallacy. Right. That's all it means. Jesus didn't die for the earth. Jesus didn't die for the trees. Jesus didn't die for the the, the the grass that grows in the earth. Jesus didn't die on the soil On the magma or whatever is under the soil. Who no. knows? It. We know that. I was really clear about that. So let's just keep exploring this concept of world and let's get to the truth. You know, he says that <clears throat> that in this life, he's, he's talking about heaven. He says in this life and in the world to come, live heavenly In other words, there's a world here, but then there's also a world to come that none of us have ever seen or experienced no. yet. And that's where life everlasting is. Where that world is, that's where we're going to enjoy life everlasting. Another concept of the world is that heaven itself is an actual, real, physical place. Kind of like this world, but kind of like this world, but different. And the concept of heaven should be that no mind, not only a room, maybe a building, but an entire planet. people have this concept of like saying, the throne room, and when we think of the room, we think, well, how many people can really fit in a room? But if you think about it, in this place, but not only in this life, in the world's time, life everlasting, that there is an entire jolly, world, a physical place out there, a stone world that none of us have ever been to, but we're going to, that's another word the word, world, is defined in the Bible. So that's a world. We're living in <laughs> a world. Um, he talks about <clears throat> the invisible world that surrounds us that's wicked. He says, All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. transform to the image of this world to be a transform the renewing of your mind right. so then there's another concept of The word world that doesn't have anything to do with anything physical but it's actually metaphysical it's beyond physical it's invisible it's very real but it's invisible and it will destroy you It will destroy you. It's a system of wickedness that surrounds us, and and the reason that the reason it seems sometimes that work that the events that are happening around this planet are happening in concert with each other, and that people are secretly colluding behind the scenes—they're not. In many cases, many in in many cases, are. they're not secretly colluding with each other, but they are colluding with the same spirit that is in the world. And the same spirit, the spirit of Satan, has the same goal all around the world. And that's to diminish Christ and to take glory from him and to diminish his people if you can't get to Christ and get to his people. Try to destroy his people wherever they are. And whatever means. That's the definition of the world. And in Luke chapter 1, in Luke chapter 1, probably my favorite reference, to prove what I'm about say. is that the over recall when Jesus was being born, when he, with the whole narrative, the whole account of how he came to be in physical form, you'll remember that there's just, just, a almost like a postscript in Luke chapter 1, it says, and Caesar Augusta sent out a decree that all the world should be taxed. So let's just talk about that for a minute. Caesar Augusta had no authority over the online tax, which capital city was Tenochalada, which is in the middle of Lake Texaco, which is where Mexico city is now, ruled by an emperor, the Hunderland emperor, whose name was Montezuma. When the white man got here, in the 1400s. But prior to that, those emperors had been stretched on behind him for many, many years, and none of them bowed to Caesar Augusta, and they certainly were not going to sue him any, taxes, any of their taxes. They were taxing the class Pius, which were then next door to and I not a pocket family. they were taxing the Jesus on them. Who they worshipped as a now. And they thought he was God. And that as long as he was alive, the sun would come up. <laughs> if he died, the sun would never come up again, and they would starve to death because of photosynthesis and all that. They understood that this was necessary. But the Sapa Inca wasn't paying taxes to Caesar Augusta. He was a baron, receiver. He was a tittle of a highland who ruled the Highlands. He wasn't sending his tax dollars to Caesar Augusta. The rulers of China in the Holy Dynasty weren't sending any jade or any other valuable thing to Caesar Augusta. They just weren't. And I'll tell you, the Maori in Australia were not sending any tax dollars the leader of the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus. Now, the reason for this is that when Luke uses the word "world," that Caesar Augustus sent out a tax decree that all the world should be taxed. It's fairly obvious to any thinking person that the way he's using the word "world" is everywhere that Caesar Augustus has authority to collect taxes. He did not only have the authority to cut taxes all over the whole world. He just had authority in the Roman world. And I'll tell you this. it was our great, with lots of people in it. And it could be be have been described as a world, because it was huge. It was the entire Mediterranean Basin for all intents and purposes. It was all of Europe, Northern Africa, and most of the Middle East. That was the Roman world that was under his control, and he could tax it if he wanted to, and he'd do it of Jesus' brother. So how does that move back to John chapter 1? Very simply. I hope you already know. Most of you are. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world can be easily defined as this. It's the world of God's children, and that's the fifth world. It's a large world, and it includes all of God's children. And it goes this way. When Jesus Christ was talking to the Pharisees, these same people that John had argued with and had argued with John, now Jesus takes up his mantle and begins to have his own uh, war of wits with these, uh, these wicked people. And he says to them, and they can't help it. they can't stand it because they're looking to themselves, and maybe that's not us. The Easterners, I came down from heaven i about to do my own work. I don't get paid attention. Where is this time you came from? Say again. Because I came down from heaven. I didn't talk to where you came from, which is young. I came down, I was standing over the throne of God, and I came down from heaven, made to do my own will, and so I bought it. I live done, I built my own will, but I didn't come to do my own will, I came to do my father's will, which I sent me. He sent me on an own and I came to do what he told me to do. I'm honoring my father, which I told you to do, but you're not doing now he's getting the older things. And he addressed that one time. I'm going to get him out of here. But he says, I came down from having my juvenile world with the will of him that sent me, and this is the Father's will of him that sent me, that of all that the Father hath given me, I should lose nothing but raise it up again at the last day. Let me tell you something. If you define the word wave in John chapter 1 as everybody, all the time, everywhere, that like one person who is not included. Then that means Jesus died for two people that are still trying to hear, because the Father justifies there are more people in hell. And so, that means Jesus died for people that still went to hell. And if Jesus died for someone that still went to hell, then look at what He says in John chapter six or eleven. He did lose something that the Father gave Him to save. He didn't do his final final, he did not complete his task, and he's in in control, and he could we should listen to him or listen to him, because it's just like the rest of us, he's a liar. <laughs> and anytime you, knew that Jesus died, for those that the Father gave him, and he gave them to him before the foundation of the world, and yet we had a reason to get them off the list, or, darling, the most proud of left, or maybe someone who... It's so wicked and depraved that to advantage of children. Maybe somebody like that is not included, but until there is a vast number of people that are included, so much people that you could describe them as a warrior. Right. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that God gave to his son before the foundation of the world that they're standing on. And all those that the Father gave him. He was not one of them, not one is going to hurt that Jesus died for because Jesus did what his father told him to do. Completely the task that he gave him to do. But that's why we can say it's finished, because it was finished. that son that you've waited for these 90 years you go up on a mountain I'm about to tell you about and I want you to sacrifice him. You cut his throat and then light his corpse on fire. That's the way sacrifices were done. Are you kidding me? But Abraham, the father of the faithful doesn't argue, he's learned he's walked with God a long time He knows it can't be as bad as he thinks it's going to be. It's got to be something else. I'm just going to go. He goes up there, and he's watching up the mountain. And the son who's seen his father do sacrifice before looks around and says, You're making me kill the wood. We got a way to make fire. But where's the sacrifice? Where's the animal? Because God will find himself the sacrifice. Of course, that's Jesus. He don't need you to provide a sacrifice. Of course, he saved that little boy's life with that sacrifice, a ram caught in a fish. Then we get across the Red Sea, and God begins to give sacrifices to Moses. And he says, Over here, uh, well, before the Red Sea, the Passover, says, Tonight is your deliverance. Tonight, you kill a lamb, you put the blood on the doorposts of the little. Y'all know all about Passover, but it just shrugs me every time I think about it because I'm a firstborn son. <laughs> so I think about that a lot. What if, if the man of the house hadn't been obedient? What if he, been, he didn't believe it and he didn't do what God said to do? I'd be a giant. who is also the destroyer. When the religion, comes back, he's going to see you, you through the blood of his own sacrifice, and he's going to pass over you. You will feel it, the rash There's a, another sacrifice, a trespass offering, the debt of atonement. That's a lamb that's sacrificed, and of course, the sins are recited wow. on the scapegoat. The scapegoat's let go into the wilderness, and they want to sacrifice to dwell on the on the offering, and that's supposed to do it for a year. And then there's a trespass offering, and a Syrian offering. And, you know, if you have a trespass against your brother, then you're supposed to go offer a trespass offering. That would be a lamb. Uh, again, if you trespass against God, you call that a sin. And if you feel like it's sin that you, you're supposed to bring a lamb and go sacrifice it to the priest. But even before the priest got started with your sin every day, he's supposed to sacrifice a morning offering and an evening offering. Started it off and shut it down. And God's promise, Lord, as long as you sacrifice in the morning and sacrifice in the evening, I'll be with you over in the day and all through the night. You sacrifice in the morning, that I'll take care of the day. And you sacrifice in the evening, and that I'll take care of the protection at night. And then if you start it up in the morning again, I'll be with you again. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ has a cover from start to finish, doesn't he?